Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining the show now, former BYU great, current defensive coordinator at Snow College and former host right here on the Zone Sports Network, our good friend Jan Jorgensen. Jan, how's it going? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you? We're doing great. How's the family? How's everything in your life? Everything good? Things are great. Family's doing well. And you know how it is being a dad. If family's good, you're good. So I'm happy. So, Jen, uh, how badly do you miss radio? <laughs> you know, I just miss seeing Jake Scott's face and hearing the, the hearing Gordon Monson's voice. That's that's what I hear. That's what I miss. I mean, you can still you can still uh, at least the second one you can still hear us. Uh, you know, but I, I I meant you know actually coming into the studio and and doing the heavy lifting that we do here. You guys, uh, people don't give you enough credit. Uh, radio is a lot harder than it sounds. Um, so these guys do work hard, and I do miss it. But um, I think. Coaching football was more of my calling rather than talking about it. Well, I do. I've always admired you, Jan. You're the only one I know who's gone to a remote and come home with a sick motorcycle. <laughs> that is <laughs> what true. happened. What happened? Jan? I I went to a remote, and um, I'm not going to say where it was. Um, well, I'll say where it was, but not which company. But it was up in Ogden. And the general manager came up to me and said that this is my last day on the job and um, I'm getting let go. And I said, how much will you sell that motorcycle to me for? And he gave me a killer deal. And so I found myself driving home a motorcycle. (laughs) And if I'm not wrong, you weren't the most experienced motorcycle rider in the world and had to get back from Ogden. I'm remembering that part, right? The only motorcycle. I do not recommend this, by the way. (laughs) I do not recommend this. But the only motorcycle driving experience I had before I got on the freeway uh, to drive from Ogden to Salt Lake was just driving around the streets for about 10 minutes. (laughs) So uh, I guess I have a question about that, Jan. Is that legal? No. No. <laughs> I think there's statute of limitations, though, Gordon. <laughs> We're good. Okay, Don't worry, Jim. You guys forget that I came, I did the show one day, and the night before I was in a holding tank or whatever you call that in, in uh, the Utah County Jail, too. We talked about that on air while I was doing radio. I think we even put out your mugshot. Yeah, you did. I think that I think that might have. Happened. By the way, it, what was it? it? Was like speeding tickets or something? We it just, was an unpaid speeding ticket. Yes. Yeah, just so people don't uh, don't get the wrong idea. Uh, hey, well, well, let's start here, Jan. Let's talk a little football. Tell us what what life is like in your world, in in the football world, and and specifically, you know, how are the kids and and the young people dealing with this crazy world right now? Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I think you're you're finding. And I'm I'm speaking from a, a place where we down at Snow College, our season got pushed to spring. 
Um, and for coaches and players, it's really hard. Um, I mean, we get into this game to, to play games, right? We get into this to either coach in the games and prepare for them as coaches and players do all that work that they do during the off season to actually play in football games. And when you don't have a season going right on right now, when you feel like you've just been preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing forever, it becomes really difficult. And sometimes you start to question why I'm doing this and, and what, and you have to remind yourself, of the competition and everything that you love during the season and that it will hopefully come back soon. So what's going on? How are you, how is that? uh, What are the mechanics of, of accomplishing that? Well, for us uh, accomplishing what Gordon? um, I mean, are you practicing? Are you practicing the way you normally do? Uh, Yeah. I I just wanted to make sure I was understanding you. Right. But yes, we are, we're, we're basically treating the falls, this fall semester the same way we treat a winter spring semester. So we're in workouts right now. Um, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a quote unquote fall ball, which will mimic, you know, a spring ball. And then, um, do, we'll get done, but hopefully before the weather turns here and then do some more workouts until, you know, school starts, school gets done, and then, you know, go in Christmas break and then come back and get ready for the season. Jan, what do you think about the lack of uniformity across all of college football for how to deal with this thing? Is is that is that a good thing in the programs that can go should and the programs that can't don't, or should there be, have been maybe more of a uniform policy? You know, I think it's a reflection of our country right now, honestly. Um I, I think that there should be a uniform and there should be leadership that's strong enough to um, make good decisions and the right decisions without fear of, um, of I mean, I, I guess social discourse one way or the other. Um, social repercussions, is, I think, is what I'm trying to say. On, on Either way, depending on how you look at it, I just wish that there was strong enough leadership in college football where someone could make a decision and everybody can go with it. Because I don't think a lot of people um, understand the mess that is being created in terms of eligibility, in terms of scholarships being available for new freshmen coming in if this season truly doesn't count for guys who are playing, scholarships being available for our junior college guys who are looking to transfer. Like, No matter how you look at how this is handled, because there is no uniformity, there's going to be people who are going to get the raw end of the stick, and it's kind of sad. So, Jan, how do you think you would have handled it as a player uh, working uh, and and honing your skill but not being able to play games the way you normally do? Uh, is there a, a mental drag with uh, some of the guys? Yeah, totally. Um, it, it, there totally is because – you, you the offseason as a football player and probably in a lot of other sports. I'm just speaking for the one that I know, but it is hard. We in the as football players and um, and again, I'm pro- I'm probably going to offend some people here. We spend more time working out in the weight room, out on the football field, and watching film and meetings and all of that stuff than any of the any of the other sports. 
And then not only that, we get less games than any other sports. And so when you're constantly putting in that work that's really difficult work and putting in all that time, it just it becomes a little bit of a drag for some people and it can get a little depressing when you don't get that reward. So it's it's definitely hard. I think if I were a player, though, I'd just have to continue to remind myself of – of what I love and what I'm doing and what will come and what the work will pay off will ultimately play off for. Jan Jorgensen is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jan, uh, and you talked about a little of this stuff already, but uh, lay out the ramifications if, uh, you know, eligibility is kind of being handled by the NCAA where they're giving everybody a year pass, but that's going to have ramifications in recruiting down the line, isn't it? Uh, maybe not the this incoming freshman class, but maybe the next one. I mean, it's got to have an impact somewhere down the line, right? Unless they make some different determinations, it's going to have an impact no matter what. And it will be, have an impact on this freshman class coming in. Um, the what is the 2021 class that's going to graduate, it will have a huge impact on them. Because basically you look at different schools and unless a kid is leaving because they have the opportunity to go to the NFL, there's not a real reason for these kids not to take another year of eligibility. So you're going to have teams where maybe a whole season, not a senior leaves or you'll have a couple seniors leave. And if those guys don't leave, there's no scholarships for guys coming in, right? And so it creates a massive mess with the kids who are graduating right now. Now, I know there's talk of allotting maybe more scholarships for this year, but that also has ramifications going forward if they allot more scholarships. They're eventually going to have to get back to what where they are and, it's going to – people are going to – again, they're going to get the short end of the stick because there's not going to be enough numbers for scholarships for the kids coming in. So the high school kids are the ones that are really going to take the brunt of it. Yeah, they could. They they, they most likely will. Jan, I want to ask you a completely uh, – question, a uh, question out of the blue about Bronco Mendenhall because you played for him. Uh, did you, you GA'd for him briefly too, didn't you? Am I remembering that right? Do I have my time right? <laughs> Yep, you're correct. Um, and he's gone to UVA. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. You know me, I'm a Virginia Tech fan and an ACC fan. I knew Bronco was a good coach, but his complete lack of familiarity with the area and taking his whole staff along, I kind of was thinking maybe I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And by UVA standards, he's been great. Are you surprised at how well he's done, and why do you think he's been so successful there? You know, I'm really not. Um, coach Mendenhall's an incredible coach. Um, he's really, he's really, really good. Um, I think he got taken for granted by um, BYU fans and people in the state on how good of a coach he is. He, he's really good, and I think Coach Mendenhall works well with a certain type of personality and player, and he's able to really recruit that at Virginia. For one of the reasons that he was really good at, at BYU and we were so successful with him is he's recruiting a different type of kid, you know, usually at BYU. Um, there's different requirements that go to BYU. And a lot of we are kind of your, you know, carry your lunch pail and hardworking and earn everything that you get type of guys and coach Mendenhall killed and demanded that out of us. And so, um, and did not, he holds you to a very high standard. And so he didn't let up and, you know, we, we got there 
And at Virginia, he's able to to recruit a similar similar type of guy. It's a high academic school, a very prestigious school. I don't think people around here um, realize that, and they have to recruit high academic kids, kids that are in a, in a way similar to the BYU kid. And he's able to mold them and demand of the work and the preparation, and they reach up and they're doing doing well. And it doesn't surprise me at all. So, Jan, you. Uh... You had a terrific career at BYU. Uh, we talked about you and your being a Sachs leader and all that sort of thing. Uh, some adjustments that were made in the defense kind of cheated you a little bit out of maybe a, a clear shot into the NFL, but you wanted to play in the NFL. The fact that that didn't work out the way you had planned it to or wanted or dreamed it to happen, how how has this experience been shifting into the things that you've done since? And what advice would you have to so many college football players out there, every one of whom thinks he's headed to the league? Mm-hmm. I would just – I wouldn't tell them all, like, is it smart to have a plan B? Yes. And we're, and we're talking about reality. reality. The reality of the situation is a lot of them aren't going to have a plan B. I kind of had a plan B, but I did not – yeah, it just – it was very different for me. Um, so I'm not going to tell football players that. What I would tell them is it's not going to end when you want it to end. And when it does, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very hard. Um, and it's going to be hard to try, to try to replace that void in your life that has been there your entire life. And you may never replace it with your with your work. But the same things that made you successful as a football player will make you successful in your professional world. So whatever you decide to do, take those same principles that made you an elite athlete and an elite football player and use those same principles of hard work, dedication, loyalty, um, the team aspect, and apply those to whatever you're doing, and you'll end up being successful and things will get easier and things will get better. I just kind of want to tell Jan Jorgensen radio stories now. I, I'm, I'm having all these like flood back to me. You remember when uh, Coach Witt thought you were spying on him when we sent you to cover a practice? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was wasn't that your fault. That wasn't your fault at all. We said, Jan, go up and get us some sound from you practice, will you? And he got uh, yeah. 86th. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you uh, beat him three out of four times as a player. I guess. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Jan, who, uh, who was the best player you either played with or against? Oh, shoot. Very good questions. Um, best player I played with. I had a lot of really good ones that I played with. Um, Dennis Pitta might be up there. Austin Colley, uh, Matt Hall. Those were they were those were all really really good football players. Harvey, I mean, you name it. But I, I would say Dennis or Austin. Austin, there was something about Austin that um, that you can't really. He had it. You know, everybody talks about it. Austin had it, and he was very very good. Um, um, the best player I ever played against. Um, personally, one-on-one Trent Williams. I don't know if you, you yeah. remember him. He was yeah. – he, he, I had my way with a lot of NFL offensive linemen, and he made me feel like a child. <laughs> remember so, what – where, where, where did he – I mean, he was with Washington. What happened to him? 
I don't know. I know he was leaving Washington unhappy and stuff this offseason, but I, I'm not really sure where he is at right now. Oh. Didn't uh, didn't an Oklahoma TV station call you a beer league softball player yeah, before you guys played did. against Oklahoma? They did, and ultimately what I said was right. They, they yeah. had a clip of me saying <laughs> that if we're going to win this football game, we need to turn it into a dogfight, and we need to make it ugly. And um, that's what we did, and yep. we won. So exactly guess we got the last laugh. <laughs> who, uh, who, who were some of the NFL guys that you uh, had your way with? I don't really want to talk about that, so I don't know how to name names. There was a there was a, an offensive tackle that played at Utah that had a tough time blocking you, if memory serves. There may have been. That's your memory, not my Okay. Take. All right. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jan, thank you for coming on with us today, giving us a little insight into what's going on out there. And, and frankly, it's just great to hear from you, my man. I hope all is well. Yeah, no problem. It's always good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Jan. Yeah, Jan, take care of yourself, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The great Jan Jorgensen with us here on the big show on 97.5 and, and 1280 The Zone. A uh, few, few better people on this planet than that guy right there. That yeah, was he's fun. a good one, definitely. Uh, he had a lot of funny radio stories, too. For He was he was with us, what, for a couple of years, Gordon? Seems like uh, it, I think yeah. it was at least two. It might have been uh, closer to three, but, uh, yeah, we just should some, have, we some sh- adventure, adventures, that's for sure. Yeah, we should have asked him who he hated working with at the station the most. So. Oh, I know the answer to that. <laughs> 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 Lloyd, obviously. <laughs> of course. Uh, all right, stay tuned. We'll get into more basketball coming up. Don't forget the Not Sports Port at 450. David Locke joins us at 5. Stay tuned. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. I ain't playing no games Cause I got nothing left to lose I'm so The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Big thanks to Jan Jorgensen for uh, jumping on with us in the last segment We'll get that up online at uh, 1280thezone.com BYU plays in less than a week, Gordon, taking on Navy on Monday night, and we'll get back into basketball a little bit. I got to admit, I where are you at on BYU going into this season? I heard Hans earlier today pick Navy in this game, which didn't surprise me that I don't think maybe necessarily Navy would have a chance, but Hans been pretty high on the capability of this BYU team. Where are you at? Yeah. How are you hanging on? Where are you, Gordon? I'm in San Bernardino. There you go. Where else would I be? Uh, I Look, playing Navy – they were really good last year, and they've good. They've been good more often than they haven't been, and uh, so this is this is a tough chore for the Cougars to be able to deal with that offense right out of the gate. Um, uh, I, I, you know, the the news on Monday about uh, Matt Bushman. I, I, it's hard to get past that. I just uh, I give BYU a chance to win that game. But I, I wouldn't bet on the outcome. I Bushman's awesome. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I, there were more reasons that I thought BYU is going to be pretty good this year. It all starts with well, that offense, offensive, line, offensive offensive line, line is going to be awesome, and I think good offensive lines have a tendency to make you know normal running backs look better, and uh, you give most quarterbacks a chance to throw the ball. And they're going to find somebody who's open. And Zach Wilson well, being upperclassman with that offensive line, I think the offense yeah. has a chance to be really good. Well, we're talking about a team that lost to Hawaii in a bowl game. 
Yeah, but they had some wins last year too. Didn't they beat Boise State? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't Did Boise they? State undefeated at the time? Okay, I beat SC. Then they beat SC. I mean, come on. I I think they're going to move the football this the year. They, I think about the teams they lost to too. So I mean, it's it's kind of easy to look at a team like the Cougars and and uh, have some doubts because are they capable of playing really well? Yeah. Are they capable of losing a game that you wouldn't expect them to? Yep. So what are we going to see this time around? I'm not sure. You bring up a good point. You have a, a veteran quarterback now, and you have a fine offensive line that may have underperformed last year a little bit, but uh, they have some real talent up front. And those are the two, what I consider, the two most important uh, either positions or groups on any football team. So that, that bodes well for them. Yeah, I think so. And I think I think the more of the issue with BYU is uh, is on defense. I think the offense is going to be pretty good. I wonder if the defense is going to be able to stop anybody. I think Kyrus Tonga is is really really good, and he'll be effective. I would guess against Navy uh, because I'm sure they have trouble with uh, defensive tackles of of his ability because the option game usually does. Um, so I have no doubt that he'll have a big big game against Navy. But outside of that, uh, Gordon, I don't know. I've been unimpressed with BYU's defense over the past couple of years. When when Kalani first got there, they generated all those turnovers. Remember that when they led the, the country in turnovers and uh, were a really effective defense? From there, it's been somewhat unspectacular, and I get why they do it, but, but BYU always seems defensively, even under Bronco, to fall into the trap of, well, we don't have the best athletes on the field, so we better drop everybody. And BYU ran that defense all the time last year where they rushed three and then dropped the rest of the team. And it's like, oh, let's, were, let's just keep ourselves, keep it in front of ourselves. And I just, I get why they do it. I just don't know how effective it, it always is. Well, Kalani talked about that, uh, that they needed to improve their pass rush. Of course, against Navy, it's kind of a different deal. It's a different animal. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's uh, a top priority for them is to have that defensive front be a little more, not just stout, but aggressive. Yeah. Of course, against Navy, you got to be, you got to be aggressive, but you got to, you also got to read everything correctly. So we'll we'll see. I just don't know if they have, uh, you know, I don't know if they have the the talent necessarily on defense. Although they have some nice players, but I I just I, I wonder if they could use a little step up in aggressiveness. And and yeah. will you know will their good players of course stay healthy too? I mean, the, look for no further than uh, your guy Zane Anderson, and I just say your guy because you wrote a feature on him last year. But you know, can he stay healthy and stay out there on the field and be effective back at that safety position? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's he's a heck of an athlete. But how many heck how many terrific athletes like that does BYU have? It's one thing to be aggressive, but if you're aggressive but you don't have the athleticism necessary to make that pay off, then you then it's easy to get burned. And uh, if you get burned, then you're giving up chunks of yardage. And I, I don't know if that's in the uh, coaches' minds or, or they're trying to be careful, kind of play by committee, surround the ball carrier, and uh, keep them contained rather than 
stopped immediately. I, I I think they want to be more aggressive this year. Well, you're you're talking about the temptation and why I understand it to fall into the rush three drop eight because mm-hmm. if you keep it in front of you, you don't give up the home run play and you don't get beat on the outside because your cornerbacks aren't as good and on and on and on. I just remember the last great BYU defense, not the last good one by any means, but the last really great one that I remember and, and I'm probably forgetting somebody. But anyway, think back to that 06 defense where you had Ben the Mongoose Criddle on the outside. I mean, uh, a, a walk-on JC guy, and and I bring up Ben because we love him and he, he doesn't mind us teasing him. But, you know, they had the same problems on those defenses, but they still schemed up aggressiveness and, and took chances and took risks. And, and uh, Criddle actually had a great year that year. And I don't know how many – it would have been easy to go, oh, let's just drop eight because Criddle's going to get beat. He's a walk-on guy, and he's coming from snow, and uh, we just we we know he's going to get beat. So let's just drop everybody. But they didn't, you know. They've had this problem where they have uh, you know, not just overall lack athletes on the defensive side of the ball, and figured out a way to still be aggressive and and put out some good defenses. You think Curdle had a good year? He did. You should talk to him about it. He'll tell you all about it. <laughs> He said he he said he only gave up like three receptions or something and like one touchdown. I can't remember what he what it is, but but that defense that year was really good. You remember? What years were Vanoy there? Was Vanoy he was there? later? But there were some good defenses there too. I just don't know. Like that 2006 defense was ranked like top 15 or something. Hmm. Well, I I what kind of talent does BYU have on defense? It's got it's got Tonga, like you said, but wh- how much proven talent do they have? They're going to have to got, have guys st- step up and and uh, play at uh, at a level that nobody has seen them play because in some cases they haven't played that much. Real quick, by the way, that 2006 BYU defense, as far as let's see, defensive, I think this is team defense. Uh, Gordon, they were tenth in the country. Really? Wow, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You know who had the best defense in 2006? Who? Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah. Oh, just I, I should have said that. Followed by Wisconsin. I walked right into that. Followed by Wisconsin, TCU, LSU, Ohio State, Florida, Auburn, Rutgers, Penn State, and BYU. All right. So, sorry, I just had to, you know, you were doubting me there. Forgive me. How was Vontex offense that year? <laughs> you know what? I don't remember. Mm. I don't have that in front of me uh, okay. just yet. I'm guessing not good. But are they, I wait, in 06, I think they won the ACC that year. I don't know, Gordon. Why are you blindsiding me with these, years ago, with man. these questions that nobody cares about? Yeah. All right. I just wanted to check here since you brought that up. So I thought we'd talk a little football. Uh, switching back to basketball, Gordon, uh, I know you're uh, going to be working on a column uh, on kind of the Jazz next step now that we enter the offseason. But let me ask you this. How much are you going to remain dialed into the playoffs? Oh, I'll watch them. Yeah, I'll watch them. I know there's a lot of folks uh, in this market who are more jazz fans than they are basketball fans, but uh, I'm not going to pay attention to every game, but I I am going to watch. I think as long as the storylines continue to be good, and there's tons of them, uh, I'm I'm still absolutely going to be dialed into these NBA playoffs, starting with today. Where you've got the the Heat and the Bucks. Miami's got a one game to none lead in the series, and Jimmy Butler is a man on a mission. 
Our yeah. friend Sam Amick wrote about Jimmy, by the way. Just give I a that. quick uh-huh. plug for Sam at the Athletic. But then Man, they get this. You second... talk about a guy who is Jimmy is fired up to play right now. Yeah, he's out there to prove a point mm-hmm. and prove that he is a superstar because I think some people have doubted over the past several years. But then the nightcap tonight, Gordon, the Thunder Rockets game seven. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm rooting heavily, as you know, for Oklahoma City. But I think that has the potential to be one heck of a game. And if uh, over under on uh, amount of time passed for Daryl Morey to, or no, well, let's let's say D'Antoni to lose his job if they uh, if they lose today. By the way, what were the numbers on uh, the viewership last night on that Jazz Nuggets game? I saw a report on that, uh, Gordon. I'd have to dig it back up. Uh, as you know, I don't have instant access to television they, ratings, which do, I appreciate did they that. Do pretty well, uh, they did do pretty well. It was uh, it was like three point eight million, I think, is what I saw. I'm looking over at uh, Lundy in the other room. I don't know if you saw that same tweet, but uh, it was it was something like three point eight million uh, viewers, which uh, I'd have to look was uh, comparable to Denver's first-round playoff uh, matchup last year. Hmm. All right, and how does that, how does that compare to, uh, to other games going on? You right tell now? me. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I thought, you know, being on the, the, uh, the mothership and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of interest in, in Game 7. And with the way that game played out, it wasn't the prettiest game, as we talked about earlier. It wasn't the offensive show that we've seen in that series. But if you like competition, and you know how I feel about that, there's no way you couldn't have been uh, glued to your seat on that one. Well, that series turned into the center of the sports world for a, for a brief moment. I mean, yeah. everybody was – of course, I was here doing post game, so I've got an eye on uh, on the Twitterverse and the Internet, and it, I mean, it was nothing but jazz. They were trending uh, – jazz uh, uh, nuggets were trending worldwide, and, you know, I'm dialed into Fox Sports Radio on my way home, and all the national shows are wall-to-wall talking about that last 10 seconds and breaking it down, and, you know, it was a, it was a captivating – it was a captivating product for the NBA. That whole series, the whole series, it was full of history-making events at every turn, and was absolutely worthy of the attention it was getting, because it was a it was a great series, and there were great storylines, and it was fun to watch. And I think most of these matchups now in the NBA that we still have are are fun to watch for a variety of reasons. I think it's an incredibly interesting playoff, whether this was in a normal circumstance or not, Gordon. You know, I don't think the bubble makes the, the playoffs more interesting because they're already interesting with the, with the matchups and the storylines that we have. Yeah, and I think the bubble creates almost a tournament uh, feel to it uh, that, that uh, actually – I don't like the circumstances that created it all, but uh, I, I, from a from an enjoyment standpoint of watching the games unfold, uh, it's it's pretty prime for me. All right, we'll get to the not sports report coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone. Big Show. You know that- Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone Lock. Joining us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. But right now, it's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today, buddy? Well, we're going to L.A., but before we get there, did you see this story about um, David Blaine, who was, like, floating over the Arizona desert uh with a bunch of balloons 
Uh, no, I have not seen the story. <laughs> I don't know all the details of it, but it, because this really isn't my non-sports report, report, but uh, it's slightly related to it. David Blaine, I guess he's some sort of an illusionist or something. He was flying with a bunch of balloons, like way up, uh, way up high in the sky, and it looked like a scene out of uh, that movie Up. Okay, remember that? I do. Who would do that? Remember the kid the, the, who tried to fly? The, <laughs> he was like in Nova Scotia or something, and he was trying to fly across the Atlantic in a lawn chair and a bunch of balloons. I I remember. Is that a is that a fact or is that just a tall tale? No. Well, he he tried it, but then he crashed somewhere in Canada. <laughs> anyway, what's the deal? What are people trying to do? I mean, I'm looking at this picture of David Blaine. He's got these balloons, a, a bunch of balloons, and he's floating like way way high in the sky. All right. Well, let's tell my story. My story is this. Did you see the this? Uh, this report a pilot for american airlines was landing at lax or on his way to being to landing there and he uh he 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 radios into the tower and says there's a man in a jetpack flying around in our uh, in our flight pattern here and the uh the guy in the tower says uh american 1997 okay thank you uh, were they off to your left or off to your right? So there was a guy with a jet pack flying around LAX. I didn't know that, that technology existed. Well, apparently it does exist. I've been hearing about jet packs for a long, long time. Have you, you haven't ever seen a guy flying around with a jet pack before? No, I didn't. No, this isn't. Life isn't Rocket Man. Uh, the, that Disney movie or the Rocketeer or whatever that was. There's people just buzzing around on jetpacks. That's a thing. I've seen the water one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, yeah. the water yeah, yeah. jetpack uh, thing where they lift up, lift up off the water. I've seen that. But an actual jetpack? Come on. The the American Airlines pilot said the guy was flying at 3,000 feet. Right in the in the flight path of a bunch wow. of uh, airliners takes a lot of guts. There's a lot of there's a lot of nutty stuff going on this year, you know. Th- isn't that isn't it, that what Iron Man was doing? Was Tony Stark doing that? Didn't he? This just in, Gordon. There's a, there's a lot of stupid people doing dumb stuff all the time. Just because you're noticing now <laughs> doesn't mean it didn't but exist I, but before. I, this jetpack thing. I remember when I was a kid hearing about that technology that people were working on. And uh, it, I think they do. G- Google that, Jake. You'll see that there are, there are guys flying around with jetpacks these days. But I don't think it's a smart idea to go to one of the busiest airports in the world and just jetpack it up and around various flight patterns. Hmm. You know? You get hit by a jet, that might hurt. Yeah, you think? You think getting hit by a jet would hurt? <laughs> I just don't. I mean, I'm glad there are people out there who are pushing those limits. But, you know, do it safely, man, or as safely as possible. Or at least do it so that you you don't put anybody else in danger. 
That would freak me out, Jake. I, I, I would no sooner want to strap on a jetpack and fly through the air at three thousand feet as. I mean, I, I just that's does not sound appealing to me. However, the technology has been talked about for a long time, as though people would be able to actually utilize it to, you know, to 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 you know to fly to uh, Aunt Jane's house. You know, you don't want to deal with traffic, so you just strap on the jetpack and whoop, Rocket Man. Hmm. I think you should get you, one. You really haven't heard of this, huh? Uh, not really. I didn't think it was a thing. I, I think you should bag That's the RV thing. plans and, and do this. <laughs> Get a jetpack? Yeah. Why not? Uh, if you could do it safely, would you do it? No. If you could do it safely? No. What do you mean It'd safely? Save you a lot of time. What, just, just jetpack from spot to spot? Uh, I think yeah, jetpack from your from your backyard to the uh, to the studio. I don't think it's possible to make that entirely safe there, Gordon. But yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Stabilize it somehow, and uh, and yeah, I mean that that would be, you know, what I think would be the greatest form of transportation, and you know, uh, some technology has been lifted. From the ideas that were in in the the TV show Star Trek, but to this day, I I think the, one of the coolest things ideas that were that was in that thing, in that uh, TV show, was the beam capability. Beam me up, Scotty. Uh, think about think about how terrific that would be. The problem is. That if any little particle gets out of whack, then then you're altered forever, you know. And and Jake, I, mean, I would love to be able to go to Europe right now and just get beam there, you know. But what yeah, if the, you know, the the G one or G five or whatever you you take usually to Europe isn't cutting it anymore? Well, this is instantaneous. You snap your finger and yeah, you're, you're but there. You'd you'd miss out on uh, the the complimentary sleep mask and all those cocktails. <laughs> My problem with it is, what if some of the particles? You know, what if your face ended up on your butt? Or you know, I mean, what if things got somehow okay. scrambled around? Oh. No, I mean, think about it. You, you got it's got when you're getting beamed. When Scotty is beaming you, it's got to be one hundred percent precise. Or your nose could end up in the middle of your forehead. Would it? You know, Gordon, you realize we're talking about a, a fictional television series, right? I know, but they also had the, uh, the what, what they call those communication devices. They were like flip phones. What's your point? We got those now. We didn't have those in 1967 when that series was being made. We don't have a... Fire uh, flying dinner plate that we call the USS Enterprise. You think that's on the horizon? <laughs> I, yeah, and a flip I'm, phone. Oh, no. that came true. So <laughs> next thing you know, I'm going to be beamed to Amsterdam. That's coming. And what happens if I end up with butt face? Yeah, like, no, Gordon, we're talking about a fictional show. I know, but some of their stuff came true. None of their stuff came true. Uh, the communication device. They would talk to each other. They had these little flip phones. You know, they had phones when when that show was made, right? Yeah, but I they mean, didn't they're... have they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have flip phones. Oh. They couldn't. You couldn't just flip this thing open and talk to the guys on the ship. 
So so let me let me just run this by you. You know, we had actual telephones. So, you know, imagining a future where those telephones didn't have cords was probably not much of a stretch. Okay. All right. If you think so. If, if everyone knew that, Imagine then why Captain they... Kirk dragging a cord along. <laughs> and they already had radios, by the way. Basically, what they had in the show was a, a radio. <laughs> yeah, but it was it looked like a flip phone. Oh man. A communication device. Have you ever seen the original series? Man, I I can't wait till we get to the moment in time when the Jetsons is a a, a thing. <laughs> well, I just uh, that would be the greatest invention ever to be able to beam somebody to a different country. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> you do run the risk though. All right, we're going to talk to uh, David Locke coming up right around the corner. Real quick, though, there is some some sad news. And I just saw this come down um, about, a, I guess, uh, the tweet was a half an hour ago from Utah State, uh, the Utah State football team. But do you remember Brian Sweet, Utah State player from 2012, yeah. 2014? He has passed mm-hmm. away. Mm. And I was trying to look into it for, for a cause of death, and uh, I found out uh, he was fighting um, tissue sarcoma. An extremely rare for a form of cancer, and so oh. uh, that that's tough. I remember Brian Sweet being a, yeah. just the heart and soul of some of those football teams up there. That's uh, that's tough news. So uh, very tough. Our very hearts tough. go out to uh, the Sweet family. Um, yes, man, sorry yeah. to see that. All right, stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll talk to David Law coming up right around the corner. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.